Hi there, my name is Safo Akono, and welcome to the Launchpad Stories podcast, which is a part of Launchpad, an initiative of Endowan and Company Law Firm. Launchpad focuses on providing free legal education to women entrepreneurs. In this podcast, we let you into the jaw-dropping lives of many successful entrepreneurs in their very own words. They share their entrepreneurial journeys with us, which of course are littered with many stumbling blocks that they turned into stepping stones. Whether you're a budding entrepreneur or a well-established business owner, this podcast is for you. If you're looking for business inspiration, you certainly click the right button. Enjoy. Our guest for the third episode of our podcast is Ms. Nana Ama Yanka, the founder and CEO of Naya by Africa, a sustainable beauty, cosmetic, and personal care brand. She spoke with us about how she transformed a hobby into an African bath and body care company with a wide range of sustainably sourced and handcrafted products. Enjoy. So the little I know about you, that you transitioned from a life as a, I don't know if you were a software developer, you were in that area mm-hmm. and transitioned into bath and body works or cosmetic industry, right? as you may put it. And just got me thinking, I thought that was really bold. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the beginning. How... Did you even think that this was going to be possible? I didn't because it wasn't all planned. Mm. That's the, I feel like the mistake most people make with entrepreneurship is it's assumed that you wake up one day, you write down this thing, you say you want to start this business and you put all these things together Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you have a business plan and then you show up and then you do all of that. But no, I, I didn't do any of that. I Probably now writing my very first serious business plan. Um, (laughs) Wow. So, um, yes, I did start in tech. Um, So my background is information systems. I work with a software company. I'm consulting with them for 10 years. Wow. Um, So um, most of my work was in with manufacturing companies, actually. So we're developing software for um, managing their costs and their systems and processes. Mm. So that is where the bulk of my first 10 years of work experience came from. And so around maybe years seven, eight, I kind of got bored. So I wanted something else to do. But the what I actually did with that was um, I applied for an MBA. But before mm. that, what I actually started doing that was just spending my weekend entertaining myself with share products. So I just literally got introduced to share butter. I call it reintroducing because it's not like I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But it was starting to become popular again in the U.S. And you're starting to see it in um, creams and soaps and hair products and things like Mm. that. And I had a friend whose dad was a chemist and he was actually importing it for some of these companies. So they would actually bring the excesses from their testing. And so we just would bottle them and sell it. And so from there, I actually got interested in trying to figure out um, what else I could do with it. Because it was just boxes of shares sitting there. So I would literally, I started just ordering some fragrances, essential oils, some other ingredients like glycerine and other oils and mixing them in there and trying out stuff. So that is actually where the introduction of all of this started for. And it was just something really, and that was doing in my weekends when I wasn't mm. traveling Monday to Thursday and I come back from my long consulting trip, like, what am I going to do this weekend? I'm not going to go back to my laptop. So I <laughs> just started this as something. But even before I even got into anything with it, yeah. I still didn't think this was, it was just something I was doing because I could. And so I um, went to do my MBA and after that I'm like, I want to, go somewhere else. I don't want to be in the same town. I was in Atlanta then. Right. And I wanted to move somewhere else and do something else. Um, and whatever that was, some way, somehow, somebody gave me a job in Ghana. And it wasn't even on my plan. I literally made that decision and decided to move back in a couple of months. Wait, 
no, this is moving <laughs> so fast. I'm like, I know. How did we reach here? First I'm question. Like, yes. So when that you was were, you know, experimenting with all these things, uh-huh. and this may be even a bit of a silly question, were you trying them on your own skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Sheba, you couldn't go wrong with Sheba. So I wasn't. But you're mixing with. No, I wasn't mixing with anything I didn't know. So that's actually oh. the whole thing with my brand and my products and what I do. It's like. Everything that's in it, it's stuff I know you can eat or you can, you can use. It's not harmful stuff. So I don't use anything that's like, oh, right. this is something I don't even know what it is. So I do a lot. Of, I also do a lot of research on the ingredients, on the oils. So it's mostly oils and fragrances and essential oils. And essential oils literally are um, fragrance oils from plants. Right. That's what essential oils are. So literally... It's not anything that you don't. It's like the rind of the orange. Mm. You get orange essential oil from it. So if you get oil essential oil, and I'm, if I get oil orange essential oils and I mix it with shea butter and I put some almond oil in it, it's all oils. Almonds, I eat them. So at this point, I'm not really using anything that's harmful. So these are not things I'm afraid of. There's no fear to the process. Okay. Right? Or the ingredients that something was going to harm me because what I put too much oil on it, I'll just be greasy. So there okay. was really no fear there. So it was actually more fun for me. Um, but the interesting thing was where most people miss that this is all science. Because even with shea, to mix oil in it, how do you want it to look like? The consistency, the thickness, the smoothness, all of that. If you put too much oil, it becomes oil. If you put less, it's too still too hard. There's all of that that you have to learn. Right. So the percentages, the quantities, the use, um, all of those things that I had to learn over a period of time. I have a few more questions regarding the research, mm-hmm. but I think for now I'm more interested in <laughs> when you moved to Ghana. Right. So when you got, you said somehow you got a job in Ghana. Right. That had still had nothing to had do nothing. with it. It was a consulting job, and oh, okay. I was actually going to work with a, a consulting company that was actually doing strategic consulting for small businesses, mm. and they were um, doing a lot of. Uh, business plans, structuring uh, business plans and structuring, restructuring the businesses, yeah. helping them figure out the right way to manage their costs and their um, finances and their um, all of those type of things. Um, so that was literally what I was going to do. But about two months into it, after I moved into Ghana, I actually realized that wasn't the right space for me because from how I used to work. It was a lot. Mm. And the way people worked in Ghana with an email that you get a response back in a week, maybe, <laughs> or maybe not. And the all it, it just I just felt like I wasn't doing anything. Right. So and the job was actually in a suit and I lived in a Yarifa. So it was like a two hour commute morning and evening to do nothing. So it felt like a waste of my time mm. because I'm the type of person that was literally going, going, going for ten years. So it okay. wasn't I couldn't sit around. Um, so I actually quit the job. And I literally then was like, what am I going to do in Ghana? But that was when um, I had to, it took almost about a year after that to uh, decide that this was, I was going to actually do this business full time. Because from there, I had some product that, because at some point I actually developed the product enough that mm-hmm. I was actually doing fairs in Atlanta. So I would actually, um, I had to, Maybe about seven products then. So some of okay. my body butters and some of my share fusions. So I would actually um, do face in Atlanta. Would go set up, rent, get a space in an e- for an event um, thing, and then would go and sell the products. And oh. it was doing well. But it wasn't. It was still something I was doing just because I could. It was still okay. a hobby or something. So it was never a full time thing for me. It was like, oh, this is actually really cool to do. Because when I did my MBA, I actually had my classmates help me with the labels yeah. to help me adjust certain things and so on and so forth with the marketing and all those things. So it was actually cool and fun to do. But it wasn't, it, it was for me, it was, that's what it was. It was always something to do on the side because. So even when you, when you went to pursue your MBA, mm-hmm. it was not even because of. No, your it business. wasn't because, it was of, because the of your former. It role. was because I actually wanted to change jobs. Um, (laughs) because I'd been in the consulting, um, IT space for a long time. And I kept telling people when you are in that space, when you are in, when you become an expert at something, Mm. people hire you to do more of that. Absolutely. So it's very hard to get away from it. And I wasn't trying to get away from it completely. What I realized over time working in that, um, building my skill, I, I was actually more interested in the operations and, 
finance aspect of the business than I was in the technical part of the business. So oh. even with the IT technical part of the business, I realized that with my information systems background, we were actually in, um, we're working with manufacturing companies, like I said, and we had to literally analyze all their systems, their processes, mm. the, and then develop systems to meet it. And I was in that, um, I was um, working in a department where we were actually doing most of the implementation. So we would actually understand what the customer wants and make sure that the right software was built. Yeah. So, and because I also understand understood the tech side, I could actually get in it and be like, no, develop it this way, don't do it that way, do those type of things. But I actually wasn't interested in coding the whole thing. But so based on that, I wanted to kind of get more into the operations aspect of business. So that's actually why I went to do my MBA. I was wow. trying to switch into more of the operations and strategic planning part of businesses. And that's... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. So... For somebody, like a member of my generation as a millennial, <laughs> this sounds absolutely crazy. <laughs> no, because now, mm-hmm. even in Ghana, there's, a, there's, a, there's the buzz about right. IT, about right. a more digitized economy right. and things like that. So now a lot more people are trying to find themselves into the IT space right. in any capacity. But I'm listening I to I think you. like they don't understand what IT is. Actually, I think a lot of people understa- misunderstand it as, oh, IT is just somewhere that you create all these things or you code all these things. I think IT is a tool. So IT just means information technology, right? So you have access to data, you have access to technology, and you just have to create things with it. So you you build businesses with it, you build systems with it, you build structures with it, you build software with it, you build um, apps with it, you build Instagram, you build Facebook, you build um, accounting software with it. You can literally do anything with it. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. So you've just explained the world of opportunities in this IT space. Yes. And from the little that I know, I'm not sure I can count on both hands how many successful cosmetic businesses, especially in Ghana, you know, deal with things like our local share butter and all these things. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, you're leaving this huge world of possibility to something seemingly impossible. What made you think you could succeed? I didn't think. I mean, if you think about it, then you're literally giving yourself excuses. Because for mm. me, it's always about systems and structures. And um, I tell people I cannot operate like a computer. I am very, what do you need to get A, B, C, D done? Right. <laughs> so it's very um, structured. Because for me, the back end of it is more... Um, working in manufacturing space, I thought, okay, you have to create something. What yeah. do you need in manufacturing? And from my experience before, whether because I worked with companies that made um, carpets, that made um, semiconductors that you use as chi- chips in your computers. I worked with companies mm. that made um, processed chicken for McDonald's for their patties. And all, all of that is manufacturing, right? Yeah. And to do that, it's raw materials that translates into... Um, a finished that you you have a recipe that you make into a product and then yeah. you cost it to make sure the pricing is right and then you add a markup and then you set you send it to sales who then sell it and then you market it on the market and then it gets sold so literally that is the entire structure of any business mm-hmm. so just being in that space and having that type of experience it allowed me to realize that that's literally the pieces you need to put together because I tell people for what I'm doing with cosmetics I could be doing it in chocolate, I could be doing it in food, oh. I could be doing it in... Because I apply the same concept, which is what raw materials do you need, what product are you creating, what experience are you trying to create for the customer on the marketing side, and mm-hmm. then in the middle, making sure that your product is profitable so you can... Um, um, you, you cost your product right so you can actually um, sell it and still make profit off of it. Great. So it's literally the same. And in all of that... If you use technology, because technology literally allows you to um, do more with less people. And that's what people, most people actually don't actually yeah. understand. Because if you know that I can literally s- sit on the internet and research what products, what ingredients I need to make a product, I can spend some hours in my kitchen or my lab and work on a product and refine it by adding and subtracting and doing more research and trying to figure out what needs to go into it to develop the product, and then understanding what the customers want, and then okay. marketing it through what means, social media, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of these are literally technology tools that have already been built. Anybody mm. can literally, you don't need special school to understand Facebook or Instagram. You just need time. <laughs> then no, I'm not <laughs> sure. And I, I didn't even see this on authority because then again, that's why I'm not that's sure. Fine. I'm not sure that for every product out there or for anybody seeking to enter into the business space, mm-hmm. if they follow these procedures, they'll be able to chalk as much success as you have or all these other people. Well, it takes a lot of focus and discipline. And yeah, time. absolutely. But what makes your product stand out? The experience. Because we create products. Most of the time people think, okay, oh, you're repackaging share butter. I'm mm. not repackaging share butter. I'm actually trying to create an experience for the consumer for the different types of products they want. Because if you go into my shop, that's why we have 80 products. It's not one share butter repackaged. 80. Right? It's, wow. well, I want to smell like mango today. I want to smell like chocolate today. I want to smell like mint today. I want to <laughs> go through. <laughs> I, like, I have a friend that likes um, berries, and I have another friend that likes orange, and one that likes floral, so we can actually find something for everybody. So I kind of took it from it being an everyday um, we all bath, so you're still going to buy the products, but then at the same yeah. time, too, you know your friends also bath it, so now your friends bath, and so it, it, there's not much thinking to cosmetics, right? because it's things that everybody uses, but you also get to create, whenever you're buying a gift for somebody, you're thinking, what do they like? What would they use it for? Absolutely. What would they, all of that. And it's, you don't, that's what you think about with cosmetics, because you know they will bath either way. They will know they will use cream. You know, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. So if you're able to create the type of experience where you then fit your friend or your mother or your auntie or somebody into a cosmetic product, then you can just create an experience for them in a gift or something. And then So oh. that's what we do. We are not... It's cosmetics, but it's still an experience that you it get. It is about the experience. Yes. Wow. So how did you obtain seed funding to start this business? My savings. Okay. Remember I worked for 10 years? Absolutely. <laughs> how can I forget? <laughs> I worked for 10 years, and that comes with, you know, um, a 401k and uh, savings and all of those things. So, yeah, I, had to, I cashed out all of that. And you were not scared that you're going to lose all this in a venture that could possibly go I wasn't thinking. downhill. You were not thinking. <laughs> then again. Because I think people get caught up in what they will do in the future and they forget what they are doing now. Absolutely. For me, I'm very about you can change whatever future you're going to have if you can keep reinventing what you're doing now because you are the person that will live that 65. And whatever that mm. 65 looks like depends on what your 30s and your 40s look like. So if you're not putting the energy and you're literally just saving everything to 65, what if you don't make it to 65? Then what? But if you made it and you are while you are working, you are pl- what do you call it? If I, my business succeeds, I don't have to worry about what my retirement will be like. My business will pay for it. <laughs> wow. If it doesn't, I still have time to create a new one. But it's, it's, you, you just have to put in, it, because for me, it's focus and time and energy. And I feel like if people, if you put it in the right spaces and yeah. you put in the time, I think one thing most people do is they miss the whole concept of time. And most of the people want it too fast. They think, I should do this in a year. Right. Why are you trying to finish it in a year? Like, it's, there's no rush. Like, most people ask me, what am I, you know, do, oh, I can do this and in two years. I'm like, I'm not in a rush to do this in two years. I have, can do it in 10. I can do it in 20. Jeez. Because it, it's, it takes out the pressure of if you, it doesn't do it today, it has to work today. Right. You can plan today, you can execute today, you can process today, you can do all of that for an everyday do something. Years yeah. pass, days, days pass into months, into years. So you plan like that and then you go about, so I'm, it, I don't put rush on myself to be something by 35 or by 40 or by, I don't care. That's nice. It's. He said, "That's nice." I've spoken to, I've spoken to a number of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. even through this podcast. I've read books Mm -hmm. on it, you know, because I think I'm going to be an entrepreneur soon. But just generally, I'm interested in finding about people's lives, and I'm finding that for successful, again in quotes, entrepreneurs, there is a fearless, undying optimism. And mm. it, it sounds alike, like I'm not thinking about tomorrow. It's all about now. 
And not right. about it's not tomorrow. like you're not thinking about tomorrow. I think you think about tomorrow. But I think your process for tomorrow is that if you do the right things today, you would be okay tomorrow. Wow. It's not that you don't think about tomorrow. I think about tomorrow. I think about next year. I think about next month. I think about what the future of my business would look like. So I work on what I want that future to look like for that. So it's not mm-hmm. all optimism because there are some days where things don't work out. There are some thing, days that you're stressed out. There are some things that you things you're like, this is not going to go the way I think it's going to go. So you are thinking, yeah. should I replan? Should I re-strategize? Should I take it to a new space? Should I change my marketing strategy? Should I change my employees? Should I fire this one? Should I hire this one? Should I? You make all those decisions on a day-by-day basis, which all influence and impact whether your business succeeds or fails. So it's, am I right in assuming that you've never had regrets about leaving your 10 years of experience which means that, okay, not experience, but the job you were in for 10 years, a life as a software developer or in that space, in mm-hmm. IT. Am I right in assuming that you do not have regrets? I feel like I evolved into a different person. So right. Because I didn't leave it. I evolved it into something else. I'm still using part of those experiences. My company, I built my own company website. I managed a lot of the pages. I train a lot of people I work with in the, in the different um softwares and even when i explain something to someone in let's say quickbooks and they don't understand i go back and i have to study it and then come and teach them so those are not things that i i don't take that experience for granted it's not like i left it i think i evolved from it i grew up because it's something that i i trained on they i I learned over a period of time okay my at that in that 10th year the experience i had it wasn't this i wasn't the same person in my first and second and third years yeah right so at that point i understood what it meant to translate to build uh, you know websites to translate cost data to analyze financial information and these were things you so you didn't learn all these in business school no some of them were from working do you think that having an mba made a significant difference in your current business i think what i think most people overthink what an mba would give them um i think i put it this way i think I always tell people, don't get your, if you want an MBA, mm-hmm. don't get it till you're further up in your career. When I w- initially I wanted to do my MBA or my master's when I got out of school, um, undergrad the first couple of years. And I think when I applied, I didn't get in. And now looking back, I'm glad I didn't because wow. I was actually going to do a master's in information systems. That's what I was going okay. to do. And I just, ha- I just hate exams. So I had to restudy. <laughs> the G, uh, GMAT and GRE and do all of those things. And I kept dragging it. And so I would do it today. And I think the first time I took it, the scores weren't good enough. So I'm like, what's the rush? I'll do it later sort of thing. Right. And then I think about five years in my career, I applied for my MBA. And um, when I did, that's when I took my first GMAT. My scores weren't that great. So I was like, um, maybe I'll do it later. So I kept putting it off. So it's not like I woke up and... And then um, when I finally did the... MBA, the, then I think, then I found out about an executive MBA program. So I tried to apply to it, and they said, I need at least seven years of work experience. And okay. I'm like, well, I'm only five, so I would wait. <laughs> or I would just, because at that point, I was still putting off. I was like, well, I'll just see what I can, maybe I'll, I'll take the GMAT again. So I mean, I had GMAT books for like five years. <laughs> oh, I learned yeah. a bit trying to take the exam, and I don't, and I put it off, and I'm traveling for work, and I get busy, so I don't. So I, it became one of those things that I said I was doing, but I really never did. But finally, when I um, did, I think after about my seventh, eighth year, when I finally had the opportunity, to I actually got good scores in the MBA when I could do the two-year full-time, and I'm like, well, the, then I had options because you could do the two-year full-time, I could do the 16-month executive MBA where you don't have to actually, you can work and go to school. Okay. Um, so I was like, well, let me do that. So that's actually what I did. And so I was actually working full-time mm. and I was doing my MBA. I did my MBA at Emory University in okay. Atlanta as well. Um, I did that in 16 months. Wow. And it was intensive. So did that significantly 
impacts your business. So for what I what it allowed me to do, actually that was your question. So what it allowed me to do because I'd had that level that I've built up that experience and also grown in my career. Yeah. The conversations in the class created a different perspective for me because oh. I was relating to how do I translate that to work? So this company that I'm working in, how do I change the strategy I gave them from the what they wanted? How okay. do I improve how they asked me for this to make this? So now that was what I was actually learning in school and immediately applying. So when I actually started my business, it made it allowed me to now translate. I realized that I wasn't thinking then to study operations and finance and this and that mm-hmm. and that. It was more how do I how does operations work with finance and work with strategy and work with marketing and work with sales and work. So that was literally how I was able to translate that through my MBA program because in that executive MBA program too, there were expert um, like um, managers from different areas of business. Okay. The conversations in the class also allowed me to understand different industries and like I mentioned before, I was also working with different industries. So it was easy to translate some, whether it was in the financial industry or the manufacturing industry or the oil and gas or car manufacturing or whatever. So Mm. that MBA, I feel like it's more useful when you understand what you're going to use it for. That way, your your studies can translate into growth for you versus Mm. another class you did in college. Because otherwise, it, it seems similar to what you did in school. You're just learning more classes. Absolutely. Okay, so how many years when you started Nyaba Africa did it take for you to break even? Good question. Probably I think the first two, three years. And I say two, three years because to be honest, in the early stages, I wasn't tracking, okay, am I, where am I on cost versus expenses versus... So I kind of grew this business very organically, mm-hmm. right? So I wasn't, I would literally invest this much and make this much product and translate that with margin to sell this for revenues of this much in a year. So it could literally have been from the first year. Yeah. But I wasn't, the first couple of years, I wasn't even tracking my financials that much. The important thing was I calculated my cost because I knew how to do that and then made sure that I was able to, um, I was adding enough margin because I was the overhead was me and one other person. Mm. I wasn't hiring a whole team, so my costs were really low. And so even at the price points that we had, if we were able to sell certain quantities, we were able to still cover everything we needed and okay. kind of um, grow from there. So that the following year, we're like, okay, well, if we've been able to sell this much at this price, um, what do you call it, and made this much, now let's see how much more we can sell this year. So we kind of upped it. And the thing is, the more you put into marketing and sales, um, the more it actually pushed how much production you had to do. So it wasn't like the demand came from the customers. It wasn't like we're making product and then invested all this money and waiting to see what it will return it would give us. Yeah. We would actually make some, sell it, reinvest, make some, sell it, reinvest, make some, sell it. That's literally how I built the business over the years. Wow. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't actually until 2019 that I took my first loan. Before that, wow. every money I put in it was from the initial money I put in and reinvested. So y- that's how you built your clientele? That's how I built the clientele. That's how I built the business. I had my, the first shop at ANC in November 2015. So that oh. was very early. So we actually had a little table kiosk at the top because before that the only way we could we were most of our retail was at events okay we would go to different events and set up a table and sell and then we had the space at anc and we would also do a lot of pop-ups at akramo but like we're akramo like maybe two weeks out of the month so Mm -hmm. i I that was what i was doing to make sure that people got to know about the brand people were buying the products and then i could also get a lot of feedback from customers and Sometimes it was just literally well wishes. Like people would pass by and be like, oh my God, this is really great. You're making this yourself, blah, 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 blah. Oh, this is great. But I think if you could do this and change this, like literally, I would get like different types of business owners and stuff who would literally pass by and give me feedback. And you would apply them. Why not? That because it, well, I was also new in the market. I mean, I moved to Ghana in oct- late October, 
2013. Yeah. And I didn't start the business until late 2014. So I didn't really start making or selling products then. So it was, I didn't know much here. I mean, I grew up in Ghana. I went to Wesley Girls and I went to college in the U.S. Okay. And I m- was there for like 13 years and I moved back in after all that time. So I feel like I, gr- I didn't grow up here. So a lot of things were still new for me. I was understanding. I was figuring things out. So it was, and I'd never started a business before. So all of it was new. So it wasn't like I knew what I was doing. Okay. So <laughs> but how are you obtaining the raw materials? So from different places. So... There is um, parts of it where I get from Northern Ghana. There's part of it get from uh, where, like the share and then some of the baobab and the neem oils and those other things. Yeah. I get my coconut oils and the black soup from Central and Western Ghana. And then I also get um, some, a few things within Accra. And then I also import the fragrances because nobody makes fragrances in Ghana. Oh. So I have to import fragrances to be able to create the experience. So I import the fragrances and the packaging mm. so that we can get the quality of packaging that we need. I was just going to ask you about the packaging because, and I'm glad I I passed by the shop last night because I had an estimation of what your products were going to cost. And then I entered and I found out that, oh, they were way below what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I'm thinking because the packaging is great, Mm -hmm. especially for the, I got the lavender citrus soup, right? Right. So I got that. It smelled really great with amazing packaging. Right. And I'm looking at the cost, and I'm wondering how You're exactly. Like, I should charge more. Thanks for telling me that. No, but I'm not saying that. No, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's telling prices. me that people are cheating me. <laughs> you know. You know, price increase tomorrow. Thanks for the feedback. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, no. For people that are into the kind of business that you are in, right? And I've seen because I have um, I have a mother, I have a sister, and I see how much they pay for certain products. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at that and it looks quite similar, I'm expecting the same price range, right. which isn't the case. And now you're telling me that you import these oils. Yes. It's not expensive. It is imp- expensive. I pay duty on it at the port and I have to pay VAT when I sell it. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I, this comes back to what I said earlier about understanding what it costs to make things. Mm. So, and also being able to structure your business in a way where you are not over dipping too much and understanding, literally working across the business. Yeah. So because I'm not making the product and waiting for a retail place to sell it, or they take it and then mark it up to the five times value mm. that they want to sell to market to make, I'm able to um, create value for the customer, really. Okay. Um, because for me, quality is very important and consistency is important. So once I'm able to understand what goes into this product, that's why I also choose which ones I export, which ones I buy local, which ones I do this. Because I want the quality to be consistent and I also want the pricing to also be as consistent as possible. So if I understand what it costs to import it, because there are some things we don't make, but people mm-hmm. import into the country. So I can buy those locally, but I will not be buying it from the direct supplier. Yeah. Like the fragrances. But I would rather buy it from suppliers and bigger wholesalers who would sell it to me at better prices so that I can actually bring that value locally. Because I tell people that as much as people say, oh, use made in Ghana, everything has been made here. Even in the U.S., when they say made in the U.S., they bought the parts from China. So we have to be smart about what that means. Right. So because that also gives us opportunity to create variety, to be able to create um, better quality, to be able to create more consistency for co- customer. Because there are some things I used to buy locally that the suppliers have stopped producing them okay. or no longer exist. But I can't create a consistent product for you with the quality that... I can the customers expect if I'm changing it every day because my supplier stopped or um, had their business wasn't doing well or so and so and so. So we have to be smart about when we are building businesses, mm. what um, goes into it, where it's coming from, and what that means. Okay. Right. So even for my black soap suppliers, for instance, I know that they are, that's what they do for a living, right? And so for them to be able to sell. Um, I have to, for me, I always think, how do I create a consistency for them so that they don't stop doing it? Because people stop doing something when it's no longer profitable for them or they're not getting enough market. So if I can continuously give them business because my business is growing, then they will stay in business. If they stay in business, I never have to worry about that supplier no longer sells black Wow. Right? So there are certain things I know I can get locally that I know that the suppliers 
that's what it demands from them. So the more I can say, me, and every time, every two weeks, send me this quantity. At least they can rely on that um, yeah. revenue. So it allows them to be able to also stay in business and not. So if they screw up my product, I can go to them and be like, no, the last time, this wasn't good. Let's change yeah. it. So even now, we are thinking about how we can go into some of their spaces and say, how do you improve the quality of the raw oils you create, right. you share you make of some of those things? Because then that also impacts the products that we make. In that same vein, and you've mentioned research, mm-hmm. and you've mentioned having about 80 products, mm-hmm. which obviously demands a lot of research. Yes. And you... And from what I know about you, you didn't come from that space of like a science background. Mm-hmm. How are you doing these researches yourself or were you doing everything on your own? Yes, there's science in everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's science in everything. Sometimes I, I think we overthink what it means to be a scientist or what it means to be I a doctor. I definitely do. I think <laughs> we, like, like, I overthink what it means to be a lawyer. Think about it. What makes you so special as a lawyer? You studied it. Right. And without studying it, you are just an average guy that yeah. knows a few things about law. Um, <laughs> otherwise, what's really... And then they gave you a certificate for it, and then it validated the fact that you're a lawyer. Yeah. Because you studied with enough With a strange it, gown. Right? Nobody really had to... <laughs> with a strange gown, right? <laughs> but it's the same thing I feel with everything. Because my sister is a doctor, and I tell her, I could become a doctor next year if I actually spend... The ne- not next year. In the next few years, if I spend three years going to medical school... And then they certify me. I could start reaching patients because everything can be studied. Mm. And I think that's the mistake most. But we don't realize everything can be studied. Um, and the certifications and those things validate that you have studied it. It doesn't mean that because you don't have a particular certificate for it, your studying was any different from the next person that studied it. Okay. Because if you put in the same intentionality and time, if I went into some science school and I tested on cosmetology, I'll probably pass as much as most other people. I mean, right now in my um, production, I have other um, chemical engineers that went to tech that I'm, I am actually training them on cosmetic production. Because nobody teaches cosmetic production at tech. Uh. Nobody teaches that. I mean, because they teach them petrochemical engineering and they teach them food science. and then, But there, nobody actually thinks the cosmetic space is serious. But they forget that everybody uses soap every day and but what we've done in Ghana is we've left it to the uneducated to make decisions about our cosmetics. Okay. Unfortunately. And I say that in a way, not to disregard the people who are doing it, but to put it in a way where people will buy black soap and not think about the science behind it because, oh, it's a local woman that made it. But they don't ask what science degree does she have. But Unilever will not put out the product without a chemist analyzing it. Yeah. So we are taking certain things for granted on our own. But I feel like that is why also we have been left behind in a lot of where the world is going. Mm. Because we haven't taken the time to say, these are things that are important. So let's put um, process to it. right? So that is literally all we are doing at Naya, really. So we are literally putting process to something that has been around. Soap making and creams making. And my mom used to make this when we were kids mm. in our kitchen. And I didn't even think much about it because she was a home science teacher and she used to teach her students. So why that is being taught in the vocational versus in Unilever, it's not a vocational skill at Unilever. It's cosmetic engineers who make the creams These. that come out. So all of a sudden we treat the ones that come out of Unilever different from the ones that the black soap that got made. And we think the black soap should cost two CDs, but the... Nivea should, it's okay that it costs 50 CDs. Yeah. But there's no better science to it than if you actually listen to a local woman and her process for making soup, sh- she probably, her great grandmother made it, thought her. So they've done it so much. She knows when the soup is different. She knows when there's a problem with the oil. She knows when the ingredients are faulty. She knows when this thing is not going to turn out right. She knows all those things. But because she hasn't been, give, been given a certificate to it, we dismiss the fact that they understand the process. Right. And we haven't put time to, and her kids don't want to do it. And she actually wants her kids to go to school and study something else, right? Mm. But uh, we are not letting her kids back. If her kids decide to come back and sell black soap, it's like, oh, her child failed. Oh, do you know she went to um, do her MBA and she came back? You know how people ask me that I have an MBA and I'm making in Kutu? 
And it actually is literally it people like I like when you you know people actually like you well you have an MBA and that was something I, that we take almost for granted. That's why we haven't developed a lot of industries. And it's a major industry. Cosmetology. I mean, what else can literally can you buy an oil for ten CDs and it translates into seventy dollars by the time it hits Paris? Shea butter. Yeah. It's, uh, they don't do anything to it. The same one that gets made in the village, they literally put it in a jar and they sell it for eighty dollars, and people buy it. Why? Mm. But they, they, we are not giving credit to the person who made it. We are giving the credit Absolutely. to the person who bottled it and marketed it. So marketing is what we worship, and we've missed the process of science. So people are not putting the effort into that. We need to the techniques. We need the skills. Mm. We need the pieces so that's where i feel like if we put effort there then the rest of it is easy because now this marketing they've created so many systems for us to market that you can market in your sleep i could be on my bed posting things on facebook yeah. and by morning i'm making sales i didn't do anything well now i'm getting so excited <laughs> so right but somebody who has to make a product has to research for months and years text practice change do, and then you come in and you're like i buy it for 10 cds from you and i want to sell it for 80 dollars and you think that's justified. Why? So in the spirit of giving <laughs> credit to the people that make these, right? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm careful about asking this. And again, I'm asking because I've seen that the trend, especially with those into cosmetics, is that if they are outsourcing from the northern region, then they have sort of like a foundation Something of that sort. I'm just interested in knowing how your business has impacted the lives of these producers of the raw materials. So for me, I don't have a foundation. Yeah. And I'll put it this way. Because for me, I the process I look at it as, because I look at a lot of those foundations as, oh, we are giving back to help them. And yeah. But for me... Somebody has taken time and effort to develop something. Yeah. What they actually, they are not doing it for charity. They're doing it to make a living. To make a living. So what is important there is not creating a foundation to get help them get a well in their village. What you need to do is create, find, create a way for them to get the consistency to build what they are doing. Right. So that they themselves will build a well. Okay. So that when their kids get out of college, they see that there is opportunity in my mom's business because she is actually making real revenue and I can actually work there and grow that business because it is a business. Yeah. But we don't consider what they're doing as a business. We don't even treat it as a business. So we treat them as we need you, make something for us. We give you some charity. We take some pictures. We go and show it to somebody, other people, and then they give us more foundation money where, and then so that we can come and give you a few. And then if we don't need it, we go. And then they go back to their poverty. When we need it, we come back. We give you some more money again. But where is the consistency in that? Right. I think consistency is what actually develops um, businesses. It's what develops communities. It's what develops, creates businesses, builds countries, creates jobs, creates opportunities for a lot of people. So it's that consistency that I think is missing in a lot of the things that we do. So once we can figure those things out, I think, um, and that's what I'm looking for. That's why... Um, there's literally two or three suppliers I work with. I work with them consistently because for me, if they can rely on me consistently, as my business grows, theirs grows as well. And then now, I can, even when I go to other suppliers, why even help them expand? We can bring other people into it who are also in the same space so that they are not always living in that poverty waiting for me to come back. Yeah. But they have a business that is being managed and the resources and all of those things. It's not new. I think it's common to hear that business owners are being cheated by yes. suppliers or, you know, other people that they are working with. Mm -hmm. From all that you are seeing with your vast amount of <laughs> technical knowledge in mm -hmm. business and all these things, I'm just getting the impression that you were able to block those, you know, windows to prevent Barriers those. And all. Is, well, is so that the case? So I have this thing where... I say no a lot to people who just say, can I buy a product and supply it here? And can I be a distributor for this area? And sometimes people are like, well, you don't want money. You don't want us to. And I'm like, not really. I'm not afraid of anywhere I can supply my product to. That's actually not the problem. The problem is if whatever you are going to do, do you have any specific skills and expertise that you can help us propel this exponentially? Or you just see that opportunity to make 
an extra residual income while sitting in your house somewhere and make an extra, you know, $2,000 a month because you can sell my product because you know people like it. Yeah. For me, that is not an opportunity that grows my business. I would rather grow the business, find investors, develop an entire value chain where we are distributing and being able to move volumes of products where my suppliers actually, their businesses grow and everybody's business grow as a result of it. Then, but a lot of what you get more often than that is people who are literally looking for short-term opportunities because there's, they think, okay, people like this. Let me see how I can make money. And that's where what you're talking about comes from, yeah. which is people thinking, oh, well, I can buy it. We are in Ghana. I can buy it for cheap. And they mm. call me all the time. Oh, your products, even at the prices, you're, they're looking at it like, oh, well, if you can give it to me for cheaper, then I can take it to Europe. I want to be a distributor for Europe. Okay. And I can supply all of Europe. I'm like, what do you mean you supply all of Europe? What have you, su- where have you, s- what have you supplied to Europe before? Right? If you haven't done that before, what is your expertise and why should I trust you that you can do that? I, that is, because we always have this wishful thinking that because we've been in America, we can supply. No, even big businesses with proper millions of dollars investment start from one small city in the U.S. and grow into the state and grow out of it across the country before right. they figure out. So why do you think I should give you my, because what I'm in Ghana, I don't know what the U.S. looks like. No, it's for me, it's not, it doesn't, I'm not, like I said, I have time. Mm. I'm not in a rush. I'm not trying to do all of this in a month. I'm not trying to be rich tomorrow. Because if even I get those type of opportunities and my team is not ready, which is, because I can't be making all the products. I have a team of young people, like I told you, some chemical engineers who have to learn the products. I can, if I'm not there, will we still get the same consistency of products sent to Germany five years from now, no matter the volumes we are asking for? Mm. I don't have to be standing there for that to happen. Um, and you can't just do that by waking up one day and saying we're going to bring cosmetologists from Germany to train this and do all of that. And you could do that. But the people have to learn. They have to grow. They have to build. The suppliers have to evolve with you. You have to check, have your systems in place, your importation, your taxes, all of those things have to be sorted out. You have to grow a business. (laughs) And it takes time. Then what have been your challenges in this business? All the things I just mentioned. So, (laughs) (laughs) because it takes time. And sometimes, because it takes time, you underestimate how much time it takes, right? Because you think, oh, well, if I have been able to do all of this in a year, if I get five other people, I should be able to turn in the next year, we should yeah. be able to double, quadruple our revenues. But you get five other people, and two months later, three of them leave. And then a year later, when the two are really, really good, they are like, oh, I want to go and start my own business, and they'll also leave. Mm. And so you're going to this process. You have um, people that um, you hire, you're looking for experts in marketing. And the ones that you get are not really as good as you need them to be. Because if you're trying to do branding and put up a certain standard that would resonate, cre- build a brand, you have to create a model that you you manage. Yeah. And you have to grow consistently. So you have to set standards and you have to maintain them and keep it up. And so it's costly. It's time intensive. It's tiring. It's stressful. Some days I don't want to do it, and some days I'm like, I'm tired of this. Some days <laughs> I, I want to leave. Some days I'm like, how many more years can I do this? Wow. And some days I don't feel like going to talk to my employees because I'm tired of explaining this thing, and they don't get it. And some days, you know, it's all of that. Some days I'm tired because the mon- at the end of the month, by the time you pay salaries, you're like, well, i got to pay my taxes. The money is not enough. So because you, it's we are building... Um, uh, what do you call it? It's it's a product. And the thing with products is you have to invest in the raw material side. So you're, you're always looking for cash. Yeah. And the cost of capital in this country is ridiculous. So you're yeah. like, mm, I don't want to borrow, but I need cash. So who can give me cheap money? And so now you're asking your friends and your family, okay, can I loan this for three months? I know in a few months I'll get this and I can mm. give it to you. So there's all of those things you have to do to kind of work. So I have all those challenges. You, so I was looking through <laughs> <laughs> your blog. Uh-huh. On your website. And in the fourth chapter, you wrote about... I don't remember. How many chapters am I at now? I don't know. I stopped, I think, a couple of months ago. Oh, but that was great content. Yeah. Anyway, in the fourth chapter, you wrote about the regimen you subjected yourself to while in Emory Business School. Mm-hmm. Is that a reflection of how demanding your work as an entrepreneur is now? Or it's less? It's 
probably Stressful. more. Um, <laughs> probably more. <laughs> probably more. Because I think, um, I don't remember everything about that chapter. I probably should go back and read it. But I think if it was about what I was doing, then it was something about how I, because I had a full-time job and I was yeah. going to school um, over the weekend. I was doing the Monday through Thursday, coming back on the weekend um, and working after hours and mm. um, studying after hours as well and i turned off everything i didn't have tv nothing because you i needed to focus and i needed to get through the program and if you got a b twice or three times or no you're only allowed to get one c if you get a second one you're kicked out and you're wow. not spending all that money to get kicked out of an mba program so yeah mm. you had to be serious you had to take a lot of things so i it takes i think it, it's it's since then, I think it, it creates it's 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 it creates a particular type of person. Right. I'll put it that way because if you can literally understand that if you need this, uh, if you have to achieve a goal, you have to put in the time, the energy, the resources. You have to shut down things that people think are cool. You can't go out with your friends, and you you have to when you come back from school, you have to sleep because you have to go and finish your homework because you have to turn it in by 8 a.m., but <laughs> you just literally work till 7, <laughs> right? Wow. And you have so, but you're tired, and you need a fresh mind to think through your paper and all of those things. So it's, once you subject yourself to those things, you become an entrepreneur and you realize that it's more because now I'm marketing, I'm sales, I'm production, I'm finance. Like I'm, I was explaining to you, if um, when we decided to use QuickBooks, it took us almost two years to figure it out mm. because um, I was trying to force my employees to learn it and they've never used it before. And their interest in it is like, well, I've, it took me this while. I figured out, and I've now figured out Excel and she wants her to use QuickBooks. That's so much time. So I'm literally having to learn it and then now come in like, have you put this in? Have you done this? Well, what numbers do you get? Let me see the report you did. So it's that type of discipline is what gets, I mean, I needed a website and I put it, I'm like, well, can I researched getting different people to create the website, and I figured out Shopify. Like, you know, I could literally create it. They have templates. It's not that hard to manage templates yeah. and push, move things around. And I added and subtracted things, got pictures, got this, wrote all the text That's on my website. That's a lot of work. And because I didn't all do it all in a day. That's yeah. why I said I don't think I need to finish everything in a day. If you think you have to finish everything in a day, then you get overwhelmed and you never actually finish. And some days I do get overwhelmed because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, too, you have to force yourself and spread it out. Okay. And give your time, yourself time to figure it out. Yeah. I think I also found somewhere on your website, on your blog, something about STEM. Mm -hmm. And there's an emphasis on providing... And I intentionally Steam. did that. Yes. With A meaning arts, right? Yes. So there's an emphasis on providing opportunities for women in STEAM. Yes. What does that look like for you? First, I'll explain why I use STEAM instead of just STEM. Because I look at, I feel like people, that's why I said my product is an experience. Right. Because if it's pure science, we are thinking technical product. Mm. Is it? Does it harm you? Does it do this? Does it do that? But it misses out the colors and the fun. <laughs> That's where the art part comes in. That's where your marketing comes in. That's where the customer experience comes in. And that sometimes gets lost when we, fo we focus STEM, STEM, STEM. And we forget that somebody has to sell the product STEM is trying to create. Yeah. So that's um, my focus there for me is because I think we take for granted where what it takes for women to do things like that. Not because we can't do it, because I always say I was in Gehe with a, I, I was a science student in Gehe, and we were kicking the, we, we were beating the boys in a lot of things, right? <laughs> now we are, <laughs> I mean, now we get to universities. There are medical doctors as this, but they still, or even some that do engineering, they still have to explain themselves about why they are doing this. In the same time, trying to figure out why get married or do I have kids? Do I continue to get a master's degree or do I do this? Because do I get more? If I go on to um, a manufacturing or space, I'm literally the only woman. I don't want to be there anymore. It's driving or maybe even how they feel about being in a workspace. Because a lot of those spaces become very men-oriented and the women become yeah. the admins. Even though they were in the same classes, they are the ones doing the paperwork while the guys are doing 
the re- so they miss the technicality of what actually went into what they are doing. Absolutely. So for me, I'm very much about learn the techniques because sometimes okay. I tell them, I said learn the techniques. That's where the strength is. So we focus on being able to figure out what the techniques it right. takes to develop the product. What's the science behind it? The oil. Why is almond oil different from avocado? Well, how does it uh. feel? How does it smell? What is the structure? I'm like, I don't understand the science, but you do. You studied the science. Tell me. Yeah. Right? So now let's learn it together and let's figure out. So based on that, what kind of, how does that impact the types of creams we produce from this product okay. versus that one? So we kind of do those discussions. We learn about it. We figure out what a manufacturing space should look like and all of those things. So we discuss a lot of those um, things. Um, what are processes? What are the, So they are doing the work and also the documentation. So and they, are, they are not just on the side doing the paperwork like yeah. it's normally done. It's not a male-dominated environment where they feel left out. Okay. So most of them feel comfortable discussing their challenges, asking their questions, figuring out, getting into the technicalities of it without being worried about it being... Okay. Um, so that's what I want to be able to create. But hmm. also pass that along to... So that's why I have the chemical engineers, the engineers. I also have the accounts people and the what's this, science engineering, um, technology. Technology. And so it's everything. There's technology in everything. Okay. Because they use software and other things as well. Maybe my final question. Mm-hmm. Or a couple. <laughs> I know I've kind of dragged this whole thing out. No, it's, <laughs> it's been great. Uh-huh. Do you have a succession plan? Do I guess I'm asking what the future plan. looks like. Yeah, I think the succession plan is me training people so that I don't have to be there. So that's why my focus on um, the people I work with is learning the techniques, understanding what we are doing, oh. being able to do the work, not just what I told them to do. So yeah. if you do what I tell you to do, it's, I come back and I'm say, why do you think I told you to do that? And then it's like a blank stare. I'm like, because you didn't read. So go back and read. And anybody that <laughs> well, I work with will tell you, I keep telling them, go and read. Because if you don't understand what you are doing, then you are literally a robot. And I can replace you with a robot literally by saying, I have my recipes, so I don't need you. Let's get a robot. We get the recipes. Now you pour. You, so you never really become the expert in the room. You Absolutely. are literally somebody that is disposable. And the experts are the people who understand the techniques. Why are we doing it? What is it for? And what benefit do we get out? What's the strategy behind this? How do we go the business because we did this? Great. How does that hurt, hurt or help the business by making these decisions? Great. I guess my final question will be, not even a question, but what are your parting words? Parting words. Read. <laughs> Read, plan, um, stay focused. Um Give yourself time to do things. Right. I think most of the time we, like I keep saying, we overestimate and underestimate time. We feel like we don't have time, but then so much we waste so much time while okay. we still think we don't have time. <laughs> and so then we, we, we go through two years and it's passed and we still didn't get done what we thought we were going to get done in two weeks. So what it did really benefit you to rush the two weeks when you could have just taken time yeah. to do it great in two years. So that's um, take time, be focused. And if you, you have a goal to do something, just do it. Yeah. Um, do it. Just, I mean, my thing, I always say, just do it. I mean, literally, um, just do it. It's Nike, but it's my, what do you call <laughs> it, as well. No, it, because it really is. Because sometimes, like, you keep asking me, what was the plan? Was I just really just did it. Just I, did it. Um, don't. Works, don't stress yourself so much about what because what something will go wrong. I mean, today my car broke down, I spilled cream on myself just when I was getting it out of the car. Oh. I literally, like, I had somebody calling me out of a meeting for something else I didn't plan to do today and literally disrupted my entire day. But I'm still here. What difference will it make? It will make a difference some way, somehow, but I'll make up for it. Another Absolutely, story. so just get it done. I'm always whenever I, I record these episodes. I'm looking for the one thing, mm-hmm. the one thing in each of them, and they've all been different. For you, my biggest takeaway, it reminds me of Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, okay. where she thinks it's absolutely ridiculous for adults to be asking a little child, what do you want to be in future? Yeah. As if your future is meant to be one thing, mm-hmm. instead of realizing that as we are growing, we are becoming we are always evolving into different mm-hmm. things at different yes. times. And for you, you had done 10 years and you felt it was time. Yep. And like you rightly said, you evolved into something else. Mm-hmm. And becoming 
getting to that point, then you're just doing it. You're trying whatever you believe right. is to go. And that's a huge inspiration for me. So thank you. I think that's my biggest takeaway. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you as and well. And I it's wish you all the very best. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. That's all from us for now. But the Launchpad Stories podcast will be back shortly. To connect with the Launchpad team, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn under NDNC Launchpad. If you would like to connect with Endowana and Company, on Twitter, we are at Endowana Company. And on Instagram and LinkedIn, we are N.Dowana and Company. If you would like to listen to the previous episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Safo Akono, and Norte Doona. Thank you and goodbye.